this lifestyle has really helped me become more spiritual. I didn't realize I was such a spiritual person until I adopted this lifestyle. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I believe that stories save us, and that's why I've spent my life immersed in books. First as a writing professor, and now as an award-winning author who leads women's writing and wellness workshops and retreats. I find that no matter how zen we strive to be, life rarely goes as planned. But stories are our steadfast companions. And since the last few years have brought huge transitions to everyone, including me, I wanted to talk to other women who have lived real lives and have been audacious enough to share all the messy, joyous, complicated bits. I thought I could learn a thing or two from them about writing and healing and about, well, being human. And it's been one of the greatest thrills of my life. So join me for powerful conversations with today's top women writers and wellness experts who go beyond the surface level and into that deep, raw, honest place, the heart of the story. Hi, friends. This is such a fun episode that you're about to listen to because we talk about something that we've never talked about on the show, which is minimalism. Minimalism, both with physical things that we own, but also mental, emotional, spiritual, relational minimalism. And if you didn't know that those things exist, they do. So how do we declutter our homes, our minds, our hearts, our relationships to get clear and connected? Well, that's what I talk about today with Kelly Foss and Lauren Morley. Both of them are Canadian minimalists, and they have an amazing podcast called The Millennial Minimalists, where they talk about all things minimalism, and they focus in particular about mental and emotional minimalism. I loved talking to them because I came away with so many tactile tips to use moving forward to declutter all these areas of our life, ooh, including digital clutter. That was another one too. I was fascinated by this conversation. I feel like you're going to want to take notes throughout the entire thing. So here is my conversation with the millennial minimalist, Kelly and Lauren. Listeners, you are all in for a treat today because we're talking about something we've never talked about in this show, which is minimalism. And I've already told you a bit about them, but Lauren and Kelly, the millennial minimalists, are here today to talk to you about all things minimalism. And I couldn't be more thrilled. So welcome to the show, Kelly and Lauren. Great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, this is fantastic. I'm so excited. I am too. I really am too. So let's start way back and first just let everyone know how the two of you met because that's the origin of all of that, the things that have come afterwards. So maybe uh, you can start us off with that meeting story. Do you want me to go for it, Kelly? Sure, go for it. So um, Kelly and I met on Craigslist. (laughs) (laughs) The beginning of all perfect relationships. (laughs) I'm not even joking. So I sell real estate in Toronto and I was advertising a listing on there probably, what, eight or nine years ago now. 
And Kelly messaged me to view the listing and I took her and the funny thing is a lot of people live in condos in downtown Toronto and I always get complaints about how small the closet is <laughs> and you know Kelly showed up for the showing with her long blonde hair and I'm like this girl's gonna complain about the closet <laughs> <laughs> so I said to her I was like I know the closet's super small and she's like yeah that's fine I don't own that many clothes and I was like oh me neither we should be friends <laughs> and that was kind of our meeting cute <laughs> I love that we find our people in interesting ways. And I love that the point of connection was like, you don't need much closet space. I don't need much closet space. We're kindred spirits. So Kelly, tell me more about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll never forget. It was just a rainy morning taking the train to downtown Toronto to work, to go to my office at the time. And I said, you know, I got to get downtown. I have to move downtown. I was looking through listings and I found this one post and met up with Lauren and I'll never forget the day. We both looked at the apartment and we were both disgusted by the apartment. I could even tell on Lauren's face. She can't hide anything. It was hilarious. And I remember that exact moment. Hey, it has very little closet space. And I was like, oh, I don't have that many clothes. Me, She's like, me neither. And I was like, we should be friends. So the running joke is that I asked Lauren out. So <laughs> I asked Lauren out for coffee and our friendship grew from there. And that was back in 2014. And after four years of a strong friendship, we decided to, you know, strengthen our relationship or friendship even more by starting a podcast in 2018. And that's when we started. Wow. And to know that you started before this huge kind of podcast boom that we're seeing now, uh, it says a lot that it has been running for that long. And I want to get to how the minimalism came into the relationship. So Lauren, I believe that you're kind of more of the minimalist originator and then Kelly was a convert. So tell us a little bit about your background in this, Lauren. I've always lived this way, even since <laughs> I was a little kid. My parents said that my Christmas list just had one thing on it. People thought my bedroom was the spare bedroom. I was just... <laughs> I thought I was weird <laughs> and I just never liked having that much stuff. I, I thought it was a distraction. I found it overwhelming. And, you know, as I got older and I lived with roommates, they would make little comments like, oh, you know, you don't own anything or there's your one briefcase. That's your only bag. And <laughs> I didn't really understand the way I was living. I just knew that I didn't like owning that much. And then when the minimalist documentary came out about 10 years ago, that was kind of my first you know, experience with minimalism, they had defined it, they had defined the lifestyle. And I was like, oh, these are my people like I connect with them. They also don't want to live with that much stuff. But it was a way that I had always lived. And I grew to be proud of it and realized that there's a lot of people who actually aspired to live this way. I go back to the people who like made fun of me. I'm like, <laughs> actually, a lot of people want to live like this. <laughs> yeah. And then Kelly had come over to my apartment for the first time. And she was like, Oh, my God, like your place is so simple. And I was like, I know I'm a minimalist. And she was like, No, I love it. So we, we definitely connected on there. And then Kelly, you know, fell in love with the lifestyle. Hmm. So Kelly, what it, what was kind of the before and after? How were you living before and then the conversion? You know, it starts from your childhood, you learn all these behaviors, you learn that 
you should have more stuff, especially if you're the child of a baby boomer. So moving into this new apartment downtown, I remember thinking, oh, I need this and I need this and I need this. I need magnets on the fridge. I need carpets in the bathroom. I need all these extras. Mm -hmm. And so I remember having my own place for the first time, my own foundation that I was building and I was getting all this excess stuff, which I didn't realize was excess in the beginning. Mm. At the same time, I was going through a career transition in my life and I felt very overwhelmed. I felt very lost. I didn't know what direction to go into. And I had this great friendship with Lauren. And I would never forget when I came to her apartment, I was like, wow, I love that you don't have that much stuff. And so then I went back to my place. I'll never forget. And I started decluttering my closet. That's where I started. And then from there, it inspired me to start decluttering every other area of my life. You know, it's not just about the physical things. It's the mental clutter, the emotional clutter digital clutter, spiritual clutter. There's all these areas of excess that we have that sometimes we don't take the time to step back and realize them. Mm -hmm. And so this was in summer of 2018 that I realized, wow, I need to let go of all this excess. And in the process of letting go, I had this epiphany. It's like, wow, like I have so much clarity today. Mm -hmm. There's so much new space I have more time and I had more time to explore my curiosities and realize, hey, what deep down do I actually want to pursue in my life? At the same time, I was actually running a community empowerment event voluntarily in Toronto called Impact X Toronto that was inspired by a podcast called Impact Theory, another personal development podcast. And I was running these events that were basically created to inspire people to pursue the things that they know that they truly want to pursue that, you know, that feeling inside that gut feeling. And so it was a community empowerment event. And in that experience, I ended up meeting podcasters who were speaking on various topics. And I was like, wow, like, I really like listening to podcasts. I like this podcasting space. And at the same time, Lauren and I decided last minute, Lauren was also in a career transition and we went to Italy together. We went to Italy in summer 2018. And on that trip, we decided to start a podcast on minimalism. Mm. And it, we were in the fields of Florence, Italy. We recorded our first episode on our cell phone, which is so <laughs> funny. But at the time, it was just a, you know, a real authentic experience that we had. We're like, hey, like, Lauren's the innate minimalist. She's always lived this way. I've become this minimalist adopter. I'm seeing so much value in living this way. So we put our two heads together and we started creating the podcast. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I love the organic cultivation of it. So Lauren, you've always lived this way. So there isn't necessarily a before and after, but how do you think it has benefited your life? So I felt like once we started the podcast, I definitely learned that there are so many more areas of minimalism. Like it's not just your physical possessions and, you know, it's your, the mental space and, you know, tech and everything else in your life that could be cluttered, even down to your calendar. And those were actually areas that I did struggle with. And, you know, I, have tech clutter and I still struggle with anxiety, which most people do these days. And, you know, learning to manage that and apply what I apply to my physical possessions to the other areas. So I've definitely learned so much about minimalism doing this over the last few years. And it's been amazing being able to inspire other people to live this way. And the biggest benefits I realize that I've gotten out of it is that I have a very creative mind. Like I like 
writing comedy and doing stand up and taking piano lessons and learning how to sail. Like I want to experience all these things in my life. And I'm able to because I'm not bogged down by all of these unnecessary things that I'm able to let go of. And that's what minimalism does. It lets you really refine your life down to what is most important and what matters most and what you want to get out of your years while you're here. Mm. I know that listeners right now are going to be like, okay, sign me up because (laughs) so many of the women who listen are writers, they're creatives. And so to realize that the decluttering in these different areas can actually create more space and room for creativity to thrive, what more of a motivator do you need, right? I went to a retreat years ago with Natalie Goldsberg, who is a creative nonfiction writer, but she also really focuses a lot on Zen Buddhism. And she is very much into like meditation and silence as a way of exploring creativity or expanding creativity. And so when I went on one of her retreats, we were silent the entire day, every day, except for dinner time. The amount of creativity I had during that week was exponential Mm -hmm. because I didn't have to use my energy to small talk, to have any sort of conversation, worry about other people's reactions or emotions and blah, blah, how do I seem to them and all the things we think about on a daily basis when we're speaking. And I just thought, oh, there's something here when we declutter mentally that really does propel the creativity for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Kelly, what has it done for you benefit wise? Oh my goodness. Once I started clearing the physical excess, I started realizing, wow, I'm feeling this sense of calm. Mm. But at the same time, I started managing my mental excess. I started realizing, wow, in terms of my career, I was going in all these different directions because I was confused. But deep down, I always knew I love to write. I love to produce. And I fell in love with minimalism and I was like, wow, I've always wanted to inspire people to pursue the thing that lights them up inside. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, minimalism is that thing. I didn't realize. And I knew this was back in 2010. I was like, I need to figure out what that one thing is. And Mm -hmm. I finally discovered it in 2018. And it goes back to the saying, it's one of my favorite sayings by uh, TK Coleman. He says, minimalism isn't so much about what you have or you don't have. It's about what you're willing to let go of in order to say yes to the life that you truly want. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. It was like, now that I've let go of these ideas that I need to go for those safe positions and, you know, be comfortable and please your parents and all these things. And I realized, wow, I need to unlearn those ideas and realize that I'm only going to be happy if I pursue the things that are really meaningful to me. And so I took that risk. And the thing about minimalism that a lot of people forget is that it's not just about clearing the excess stuff. It's an opportunity to figure out what am I going to do with that time back that I gain Mm -hmm. once I remove all that excess. So it challenges you to think about that. And really, it challenges you to face yourself, which I think is scary, but it's the best challenge because once you get to the other side, oh, it's so rewarding. Oh, I love all of this. And it makes me think about, I was listening to a podcast and there was a home organizer who was on the show and she was saying, you know, so many people think when they think about home organization, they think you have to buy more bins, you know, bins to put things in. And she's like, the number one tip and step that I recommend is just clear a space 
clear a table, clear a counter, clear any number of things because then it leaves room for all the possibility of what you can do there. You can connect with other people. You can play a game at the space. You can sit around and have a mug of coffee. It's not about all the addition. It's about the clearing in order to create more space for the things you actually want to do. And I think that's a larger metaphor for life as both of you have spoken about. So in a second, I want for people to really kind of get some nitty gritty here, but just out of curiosity, you all have been podcasting for quite a while. And I'm wondering if any guests that you've had on the show stick out to you in terms of how minimalism has benefited them or things about minimalism that have surprised you where it's like, oh, it has really impacted them in really special ways. I'm just curious. Oh my goodness. So many. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gretchen Rubin, she wrote the book Outer Order, Inner Calm. So that's one. She realized that once she had outer order in her physical space, she was able to feel a sense of calm. You know, TK Coleman, he also says that physical clutter is a manifestation of psychological clutter. So if we keep our places clean, we'll be able to manage our mental clutter a little bit better. You know, we've also interviewed Judson Brewer. He has the book Unwinding Anxiety. Yeah. So he shares his own stories about how he struggled with anxiety for years. And he shares the stories of his clients. He's a neuroscientist and he he's helped people through those fears and uncertainties that they have and get to the other side. And in our interviews with him and in his own books, like he, he shares so many incredible stories. And then you've got Greg McEwen, very well-known, successful author, writer. He has two books. He has the first one is called Essentialism. And the second one's called Effortless. And he shares his story of how, you know, he's an avid writer and he ended up being a New York Times bestseller. And then all these experiences and opportunities came to him. And he was like, oh, you know, everything's essential. So I got to do everything. Hmm. But then he became burnt out and he realized how to compartmentalize. Hey, what is actually essential? What is valuable to me and what is non-essential? Because there's a big difference. Hmm. The non-essential things are secondary, if not anything. You need to either eliminate them or realize that they're a lesser value than the most important things, right? And he he talked about the big rock theory. You know, the big rock is the most important, and then you've got the pebbles, and then you have the sand, right? And you have to figure out what those are. One of the biggest struggles people have is they feel way too overwhelmed. We live in a very noisy world, Mm -hmm. and people are like, what do I do? Like, how do I... I just feel like I I can't start decluttering because there's too much going on. Well, Mm. step back and figure out what's most essential. Where should you be spending your time? Because I guarantee you there's some opportunity in there for you to fit in 10, 20 minutes over many, many weeks every day that will add up over time. Yes. Oh, so many good tidbits. And first of all, you've had amazing guests on the show to get their advice, I think is so crucial. And I love essentialism and I love the idea of the big rock. And one of the things that I practice is triage. So assess, prioritize, treat. And where I've gotten it wrong in the past is that I haven't assessed. And then so therefore I've prioritized things that actually need the least amount of attention. So for example, it's like, oh, okay, my marriage is bleeding out, but my inbox has a cold and I'm going to dedicate five hours to my inbox and not to my marriage, right? And so when you think about triaging, it's like, okay, assessing 
what needs medicine and treatment and then prioritizing those needs and then treating those things in the chronology of priority rather than giving all your time and energy to these little tiny things that are not essential. So many good takeaways. Lauren, how about you? Any other guests that kind of stick out in their benefits? Yeah. I mean, Kelly does most of the interviews on the podcast, but the beauty of when the guests come on is that, and Kelly and I always say this, everyone has a story. So it's like they found this lifestyle and then they're able to share their story and how it improved. And anytime we go to someone and bring up the podcast, they always say, oh, you know, I got rid of this stuff and it changed my life in this way. Or, you know, I started saying no more, or I picked up a new hobby or I pursued my dreams finally. Like it's so nice hearing people with their stories. And we really dive deep into so many areas in the podcast, everything from nutrition to anxiety to, you know, we interviewed a girl in a book called Mm -hmm. do nothing (laughs) and how, you know, we get so worked up about being productive in life. And yet sometimes the answer is to just do absolutely nothing. So no, we've had a lot of really interesting guests on over the years and I've learned so much from them. Lauren, you bring up such a great point, which is that I think we're always overthinking, even when we're trying to solve the overthinking, we overthink the solution. Mm -hmm. And so the solution might be as simple as do nothing, sit. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, no, but there has to be something more or better or bigger that's going to fix all this or help all this. And therein lies the problem. (laughs) We forget about the simple solutions. No, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about these different areas. And I'll, I'll let you choose who wants to talk about what. But you did mention how there are so many different areas of minimalism. So first, let's think about physical decluttering and maybe some tips you can share with listeners about how to start with the physical minimalism. So when it comes to your physical things, I know Lauren, uh, she's the master here, but of course, over the past five years, I've gained a lot of learnings. First of all, Lauren initially inspired me to get rid of all of the trinkets out of my home that didn't bring value to my life. So all the knickknacks and all the excess papers, all the things that you can get rid of immediately. Then I suggest going room by room. You don't want to be overwhelmed and go from one room to the next room. You want to start in one place at a time and you want to declutter from there. And we recommend going through your things. Let's say, for example, you're going through your closet. We always recommend that people start with their closet. And Lauren actually runs one-on-one closet decluttering courses through our website, which is fantastic. And she works with people around the world, helping them. Because again, when it comes to your closet, it's the first place you go in the morning and it's the first decision you're going to be making. And so you want to make sure that that decision is easy and you can get dressed in the morning and feel your best because it will impact how you feel for the rest of the day. So recommend going into your closet. We recommend a method that we actually created together that helps you divide your items by category, the keep items, those that you'd like to donate or sell, and then those that you're like to recycle or get rid of. So it helps people manage that. And then we recommend that they have an accountability partner that they do it with to make it more fun at the same time. I'll never forget the first time that Lauren came into my cluttered apartment at the time, cluttered, so to speak, because I've never really had that much stuff, but I had way more than Lauren had, and I had way more than I actually needed. 
you know, I had this beautiful, beautiful compartment around my TV. And she's like, oh, you have so many magazines, so many books. Do you ever open any of these? I was like, no. And they're just collecting dust. Mm. So she goes, just move it out of the way. I was like, wow, that looks amazing now. Like it just gave me a sense of calm. And Lauren would just move a plant or get rid of a couple trinkets around a plant. And I was like, wow, it looks so much more spacious. And now I just decorate my apartment with only a few trinkets. You know, I have plants, candles, blankets. That's about it. A couple of picture frames of people that I love, but that's how I've simplified things. Yes, yes, yes. There's a woman called the lazy genius and she talks about like, deciding once. So it's like you go into your closet and it's like, if you kind of have a uniform that you typically wear throughout the week, you're deciding once that typically on a day-to-day work basis, I'm going to wear a blouse and capris and something else. So it's like, have your section of blouses, have your section of capris, right? And then you, you have a uniform that you only really have to decide once. And then when you go in in the morning, it's like, you're just choosing from this area and this area. I have a dear friend, Angie Roberts. She's a stylist. And when I moved from Illinois to Florida and left being a professor and started my own business, my wardrobe changed significantly, right? I was no longer in blazers and heels. I didn't need winter clothes. And the very first thing she did was come in and just like help me kindly (laughs) get rid Mm -hmm. of so much stuff. And that's half the battle. How about you, Lauren? Any other physical decluttering tips? So I think the first thing is to have awareness with your physical possessions and understanding you have to go to work to make that money, to buy this stuff. You have to own the house or rent the place to store it. You have to maintain it. You have to dust it. You have to clean it. You have to organize it. And most of the stuff we have in our homes, we don't use. So really getting clear about the time it's taking out of your life and then getting clear too about what you're actually using. Most people only wear 20% of their wardrobes. Most people are throwing out a big percentage of their food. Most people are not using a lot of the stuff that's in their homes. And I say with Kelly, you know, go room to room and look at the room and say, what do I do in this room and what do I need in it to do it? If it's a TV room, maybe you're reading a book, maybe you're watching television, maybe you're playing a board game with your family, but yet we use our living rooms as storage spaces for a ton of stuff that we we don't need in those rooms. So getting so clear. And I love that you said that, you know, you just interview women on this podcast. And I think that we are so marketed to for so many different products and makeup and clothes and accessories and bags and shoes <laughs> and it never ends. And, you know, it's hard to figure out what you really need and what is bringing value to your life. And I like dressing up. I like doing my makeup, but I still have very little things. I I just, everything that I own, I use. I do my makeup the same every day. And I actually do my closet by outfits. So I just make 20 outfits for the warm months and I just wear them on rotation and I don't have to wake up in the morning and think about it. I just put on one of the outfits. I don't have to remember what goes with what or the 
different outfits that all the different pieces make. I just get up and put it on and I'm on to my next thing in life. So it takes that decision fatigue out of that moment. And I really try to set my life up like that so that I'm putting my energy and my time and my money into things that I want and that matter to me. So it's hard with our physical possessions. We're so overwhelmed. But my biggest advice would be to get clear with what you are using on a consistent basis. Mm. And Lauren, I love the realization that you're working to buy the thing that you have to maintain and clean. And so there's all this energy and effort put towards something. And if you realize at the end of the day that you're not even using it or it's creating more output than it than the input you're receiving from it, what is the point? And I think that with a lot of these decisions around minimalism, it is that clarity of, wait, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, for me, I ended up starting with why I was like, why do I want to clear this excess? Well, it's not adding value to my life. And I had a few items, for example, in my living room that I wasn't using. I had this big TV and I remember Lauren saying, oh, well, you got to keep the TV because if you bring a guy back, you got to have a movie on and you have to watch this. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, you know, what are my goals? What are my career goals? Uh, my career goal is to do X and X and X. And that didn't involve watching TV and I can watch Netflix or whatever from my laptop. So I realized that I was setting up this environment because that was a learned behavior. When you have a family room, you have a TV and you have a couch and everything. And I was like, well, my space is very small and I want this space to be conducive to my goals. So I ended up selling my TV, mm -hmm. you know, and donating a few other items. And it felt so good. You really get a helper's high from selling or donating things. And at the same time, in turn, you also get this sense of clarity and space. And you're like, wow, now I can do all these things with this newfound space that I have. Hmm. Oh, I'd love that. I'm with you on the TV. I could not watch TV for the rest of my life and I'd actually be okay. <laughs> um, which leads to my next point though, because I am a book nerd. My husband's a movie buff. And so we still have a TV and we have bookshelves. And so how do you live this lifestyle if you are sharing your home with other people who may not be keen to it or just aren't used to it? How do you partner up <laughs> with this? So I actually read digital books. <laughs> so then I don't have to have any of the physical books. I moved in with my boyfriend about a year and a half ago. So I definitely live with more stuff. You know, there's got to be a point in your life where my relationships are more important than my empty <laughs> place. <laughs> so you definitely have to compromise with things like that. But I, I also think that living this lifestyle inspires other people and they're like, oh, wow, I, I don't need as much stuff or I don't use that. And they love, you know, when I had roommates, they kind of were like, wow, you live really simply and it's nice. And they would like take note from it. But definitely, I think, you know, I want to get married and have kids. I'm going to have more stuff at points in my life. And to just accept it, I always just try to keep my own areas as simplified and pared down, like my own closet, my own shelf in the bathroom, little things like this, what I have to look at and manage on a day-to-day -day basis. And then they get their own spaces. And if they want to have a bit more, that's completely fine. I don't judge other people for how much stuff they have. And some people want more or need more. And 
that's completely fine. I just really try to focus on my own stuff and my own lifestyle while still hopefully inspiring them to show that they don't need as much. Mm -hmm. We kind of have these community areas where it's like, okay, you do what you want with your own space, but then the dining room table, that's a community area. So we try to keep it clear at all times because it's like, okay, well, we're all using this. So it's not fair if your stuff is piled up and so on and so forth. Same with like the coffee table or something like that, where when it's community space, there is this notion that if we want us all to be able to use it, then you can't kind of territorially put all of your stuff on it. You know, yeah. There are so many other areas I, I want to get to. So maybe we can talk about the mental and emotional decluttering. Where do we even begin with this? And Kelly, maybe you can start us off. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I just want to end with speaking about um, other areas of clutter. Just as a note, I highly recommend leading by example. If you live with other people, just start living simply. And I guarantee you, it will inspire the people around you to realize because you're going to be exuding happiness. You're going to be showing all the benefits that come with living this way. And I don't live with anyone. I'm living on my own. However, my previous partners and my partner have all seen the benefits and all started adopting this lifestyle in different ways. Mm. And it's really a beautiful thing. Now, when it comes to mental excess, this is the area of excess that Lauren and I struggle with the most. Uh, we are a mental health podcast. So it's also the area of excess that we like to talk about the most because when we talk about it, we can work through it, right? We're not avoiding the pain. Mm. Uh, we're working through our fears and our uncertainties and Lauren and I, we, we share our own experiences living this lifestyle and it gives people kind of a window into our lives and what our own struggles are so that they don't feel alone. You know, we're all going through these experiences. We've had some incredible authors, everyone from like psychologists and neuroscientists and personal development thought leaders that have some inspiring insights to help us work through these mean thoughts, you know, negative thoughts that we tell ourselves that are not very healthy and that's excess clutter. And a lot of it is, you know, from our childhood, we're conditioned in a certain way. There's certain habits that we've adopted over the years that may not be healthy, right? And so it's all about undoing those habits, unlearning certain ideas that aren't in line with who you are today. And minimalism really helps you remove all that excess so you can really, really see more clearly, not only in your physical space, but mentally, like, who am I? You know, what are my needs? What are my goals? Who's most important to me in my life? Who can I go to when I talk to myself this way? What are my outlets? I think that we live in an advice epidemic right now. Mm -hmm. I think there's way too much advice out there. And I believe that clearing the excess, all those layers will help you get to that place easier and Lauren and I, we actually both adopted having a therapist. So we both have a therapist through BetterHelp and uh, it's really been helping us. And obviously our own calls with each other, but also connecting with our audience, you know, hearing their stories like, wow, like, oh my gosh, I cleared the excess in my home and now I can move to another city and live the life that I've always wanted to live. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's like, oh my gosh, I used to be so mean to myself and I say the same thing to myself that you and Lauren say to yourself and now I feel like I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, this is so moving. It, and it makes me think about 
input and output. So oftentimes we don't really take stock of what's coming into our ears every day, what's coming into our eyeballs every day. And so for me, part of my mental and emotional wellness is not allowing in as much as I can control, not allowing in negative input. So I'm not going to be listening to the news on repeat because I know what I'm going to find there. You know, I'm still going to be aware, but I don't need that panic cycle in my earbuds. I choose very wisely which podcasts I listen to, only ones that are inspiring to me. Even if I get into the car and like the radio's on and it's not a happy song I love, like volume off. You know, I'm very aware of what's coming in and on my phone as well because it impacts us so, so much. So I think it's not only about what we're telling ourselves in our minds, but also what we're allowing in, in terms of consumption to what we read, what we listen to, who we follow, all of those things. Lauren, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I just want to say I love that you're so aware. I think most people aren't aware of that. And then they're left at the end of the day mm -hmm. or at two o'clock in the morning staring at the ceiling. They can't sleep and they don't know why they feel that way. But it's because we're bringing in all of this information without even thinking to shut off or turn off the radio or turn off the television. And I was listening to your podcast this morning, but it's like, you know, maybe you just need to go for a walk for 30 minutes and calm your mind. But the beauty of this lifestyle, you know, I think we can all agree we live in a stressful world. Like things are overwhelming. People worry about things. We struggle with anxiety and living this lifestyle gives you more room and more space to kind of step back and be like, how can I manage this? Like Kelly said, speaking with a therapist can really help you understand why you think the way you do and maybe working back and changing your thought process with things, starting to meditate, making room to go for a walk or to read a book or to just take time out and unplug. When you're constantly constantly putting out fires, it can be hard to step back and take care of what you need to take care of when everything seems so immediate. So it definitely gives you the room to do that. And another beautiful part is that when you start to pare down your physical possessions, it makes you question other things. It's like, oh, I don't need all these bowls or I don't need all these clothes. And then it's like, hmm, like I don't need to do all of these things on my calendar and I don't need to think all of these negative thoughts. So it just really, like you said, brings awareness to what you're doing and how you're living your life. Hmm. Yeah, you question the status quo and you start realizing that you can live differently. And part of that, especially nowadays, is the digital decluttering. I'm so excited to get some tips on this because one of the first things I do when I get to my laptop in the morning is I close tabs <laughs> because it's just the appearance of that many tabs at once is like, ah. <laughs> so maybe you can walk us through some helpful tips for the digital decluttering. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that you touch on this because minimalism isn't just about the physical or mental. It's, hey, how do I sustain effective focus? How do I manage these distractions in my everyday when I'm sitting out in front of my computer? You know, how do I manage the temptations of wanting to grab a snack when I work from home? <laughs> you know, all these things. I try to keep my phone in another room. 
I also try to turn off Messenger and WhatsApp on my computer because I know a lot of people use that on their computer now. So they're typing, but they might be typing to text someone back versus focusing on the project that they're working on in front of them. So there's that piece. There's also managing your time better. So I use a time blocking system for my calendar. So I know, oh, I'm not going to be checking social media within this window. You know, that way I'm more aware of my usage and that way I can get to a flow state in the work that I'm doing and not feel distracted. So there's that as well. And it's really about setting boundaries. And we have many discussions in the podcast about managing boundaries. You know, I used to be a yes, 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 yes person. And now I realize I'm an independent contractor. And if someone needs me, I can get back to them when I'm ready to get back to them, unless it's urgent, you can text me. But if it's not a text or a phone call, it's an email. It's probably not urgent and you can look at it later. And I highly recommend going through your email at uh, specific times of the day. Mm-hmm. So, cause sometimes, you know, you're in those spaces where maybe you're having a fantastic day, you're out in the sun, having a great time. And then you look on your phone, you look at the email on your phone and then mm-hmm. you feel anxious. And maybe that's not even urgent, but it just ruined how you felt in that moment. And you could have checked that email later in the day. Maybe you check your email three times a day and no more than three times a day. So it's really, really being hyper aware of those distractions. And minimalism helps us become more aware. It helps us become more intentional with how we spend our time and more mindful in the process. And as a result, we will feel more present with the things and the people that are part of our lives. So many good tips here. I feel like people are going to be writing notes. After we get off interviews today, I'm starting a technology break for about nine days. And I do this periodically. I'm going to be going on retreat. And it's like, this computer is not following me. (laughs) And my phone I'll be using to call my husband and son. And that's it. I learned how to put an out of the office responder message on my text messages. And I'm like, I'm putting that on as soon as I start my technology break. And this really started for me after my father passed away in 2021. I am his only child. And so I had the brunt of dealing with all the things that come after in addition to grief. And so I, you know, it's like lawyer phone calls and this and that a million different things that you have to deal with in terms of paperwork and home and everything else. And we had a camper and we would go on these camping trips over the weekend to kind of test our waters with camping. And that's when I started for two and a half days at a time having technology breaks, because I just found like, if I get a message about his home and what what do we do with the home? Like I would feel in a tizzy. I would be in an immediate panic. It would mess my whole day in addition to the grief that it would trigger. And I, I was just like, I can't feel like every 20 minutes I am going into a panic. It's just, I cannot sustain this. I can't be a mom and a wife and a worker if I'm constantly feeling in panic and and at times I can't even control because the texts are just coming in, the phone calls are coming in. And so I started blocking off the times and just having my phone on do not disturb. The two people who need to reach me can reach me. And that was that. And I also, now that we live in Florida, we're near the beach and I will see so many people on their phones, on email and text. And for me, I made the beach of text and email free zone 
I can listen to a podcast that's inspiring, but that in the phone will be in my back pocket, but I cannot do this while I'm on the beach, <laughs> like just creating zones of no cell phone use. But Lauren, maybe you have some other tips and tricks as well. Yeah, I love that so much. I should put a sign up on the beach, <laughs> you know, texting and talking. Or Zen zone. Just, yeah, Zen yeah. zone. I like that. <laughs> Just enjoy the water. Yeah, the beauty of it is that it really can be that simple, like just setting boundaries. And, you know, when I'm on my laptop, just closing that little top tab of your email mm -hmm. so that you don't see any emails coming in and you can stay focused, putting your phone in another room for a couple hours where you get some deep work in. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that both of you said that, you know, when you're out, you don't have to be constantly looking at your phone. I was on a bike ride with my dad one Sunday afternoon. We were by the water. We stopped and had a drink. It was such a nice afternoon. And I pulled out my phone and looked at my email and got a work email. And I just was like, oh, I'm like, we got to get back. I got to get home. And I was anxious. And it just like, I feel like my dad's retired. He's like, oh, what, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's those little things. And then you're constantly in that state of like defense. It's like, uh, I got to do this. I got to do that. And giving yourself set times to like show up and face what you need to do in life. And then giving yourself breaks where you can clear your mind and refill your cup is really important. But yeah, in terms of tech, I think you said it best, just being a lot more aware of what you're bringing in and getting away from it from times. And even it's, if it's as simple as putting your phone in airplane mode for an hour, shutting off that tab to your email can really give you some space where you can just work and not be interrupted. Mm -hmm. And especially for the creatives listening, the, the flow state, you know how it is. If that's interrupted, it can really take a toll. So, and the only way that we can get into that flow state is without having the constant distractions. So one area that's left is kind of like the spiritual and relational area of minimalism and decluttering. So how do we approach that? What does that even look like? Mm -hmm. So we've actually, I've interviewed two thought leaders in that space, Light Watkins. He has a book called Spiritual Minimalism. Uh, he is a famous meditation teacher. The second one was Humble the Poet. He mm -hmm. talks about how to be love is the name of his book, how to be love with a sidebar, how to be loved. So it's like how to be loved, but with brackets around the D. And so it's all about how to love yourself first so that you can love other people. And I know that's a phrase that people are like, ah, oh, you know, I, you don't have to love yourself first for you. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to fully, you have, maybe not fully, but you have to have peace within yourself in order to fully love someone else. And I think that's really important. So it's those two books that really, really inspired me. So I interviewed both of them. They share a ton of different insights, but really at the heart of all of it is meditation. I've adopted a meditation practice. It's really helped me so much. Even before this interview with you right now, I took 10 minutes. Lauren, we, we dropped the call. We were talking before <laughs> this and I just meditated for 10 minutes so that I could clear my mind. When you meditate, it challenges you to work through your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And as Light Watkins would say, he suggests that we surf through our thoughts versus mm -hmm. avoid them. You need to actually be there with them. Just be. We're always trying to 
say yes or succumb to distractions around us to avoid certain feelings. But meditation challenges us to work through them and also realize, hey, what's really going on? What's really going on inside? That's a big one. I mean, we've interviewed so many different people about mental clutter or spiritual clutter. But for me, this lifestyle has really helped me become more spiritual. I didn't realize I was such a spiritual person until I adopted this lifestyle. You know, I didn't really release those thoughts. And now I release them in my own practice. But I also do the same thing when I'm in therapy with my therapist. Uh, So many good nuggets here. Lauren, how about you? Yeah, I think... I've said this earlier, but the beauty of this lifestyle is that it kind of spills over into all these other areas of your life. And, you know, it, and it really impacts your relationships because you'll learn the people that really fill up your cup. And, you know, maybe you leave with that person and you're like inspired, you're in a good mood. And then there may be people that drain you or make you anxious after you hang out with them. So it brings awareness to that and the people you want to see more and make time for in your life. And yeah, I think when it comes to spirituality, the beauty of meditation is that you can sit down and like connect with your real self and your soul and what made you and brought you here and to refill that cup. And it brings that peace to your life as opposed to just being out in the world overwhelmed by everything. Mm -hmm. You want to say something? Yeah. Well, I mean, what I love most is that once you realize your why and what's most important to you, it's so much easier to manage the noise because you have an understanding of your needs and your desires and where you want to spend your time. So it's easier to make decisions every day. It's much easier to find that effective focus. You're not as tempted. It's easier to make decisions because you're like, oh, well, this is what I want and this is what I need. So I don't need this. You know, I used to go into my favorite clothing store and I'd feel super overwhelmed. Now I go in, I'm like, I don't need that. I don't need anything. It feels amazing. Like you need way less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And I think about relationally, one of the major things that has helped my husband and I connect, but also bring clear focus is that when we have breakfast together in the morning, we have, I'm looking at it right now, we have a table on our porch and that's where we have breakfast and our morning drinks. He does coffee. I do this like chaga concoction (laughs) and we just sit there and we ask each other what's on your head and what's on your heart. There's no BS there. You have to get right to it. It's like, let's not skirt around. And it doesn't mean that every conversation has to be heavy, heavy, but it's like, those are the two questions that help us get clear really quickly and helps us avoid the tiptoeing around what's really going on internally, either with us personally or as a couple. And I found that really helpful. So I feel like we could talk for for a long time <laughs> about all of these things. And I want to bring you into my home. I want all of the minimalist tips, but maybe as we close up, you can each share with listeners in particular, what is kind of one bit of advice or takeaway you want to leave them with if they're like, okay, I'm gonna try one of these areas today. I'm gonna start slowly. Kelly, what would you say? Just in general, I would say that when we get rid of all the excess things in our life, we'll feel more engaged with the things that we really do care about. So I would ask your listeners, hey, what is stressing you out the most? 
Mm-hmm. What is that thing? Is it the physical clutter in your home? Is it mental clutter? Is it digital clutter? And I would start there first. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have a very, very messy desk and mm-hmm. it's been bothering you, but you haven't made time to focus on that. Mm-hmm. I would suggest that you block out 10 minutes, maybe 10 minutes every day for five days. And you'll mm-hmm. see some progress over those five days. You know, baby steps. Some people are like, oh, it's overwhelming. Like, I don't know where to start. It's like, just take it day by day. There's no rush. You're not competing against anybody. Although I do recommend working with someone else on the same thing. If you have a friend who also wants to clear some excess, do it together. Turn off the music, challenge each other. Yeah. Take pictures of your progress, send them to them. It'll, it'll give them a little kick. Lauren, how about you? So I would have them ask themselves, if you had more time, what is one thing you would do? Maybe it's write a book. Maybe it's learn a musical instrument. Maybe it's switch careers. Maybe it's find your life partner. It could be anything. If you had more time to do something, what would that one thing be? And keep that and know that if you take time and you simplify your life and you pare down your possessions and your calendar and you get clear about what it is that you want, you'll be able to pursue that and go after that and it can change your life. Mm, I love that question. I think that's the perfect homework to send everyone off with, which is if you had more time, what would you do? I think a lot of people will be busy pondering this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Mm -hmm. both for coming on. I want everyone to listen to their podcast, Millennial Minimalist, and you can continue getting all of the goodies. They have a ton of episodes with great, great guests. So thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much. This is fantastic. (laughs) Thank you so much. No, this was so much fun. Do you feel motivated? I do. And if you feel overwhelmed at all, just choose one area and one small act of decluttering and remember that it will leave so much room and spaciousness for clarity and connection. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and post about it. You can tag Kelly and Lauren at Millennial Minimalists on Instagram and me, Nadine Kenny Johnstone on Instagram as well. So thank you to my dear producer, Michelle Rado, also a wealth of knowledge for this podcast, making it the best that it can be. And remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week. 